Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Greetings and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast and also sit a while and listen, I guess. Um, I don't know what greetings came from there, but hi, I'm Matt. I'm the host. With me this week are my fantastic co-hosts, uh, uh, Blizzard Watch's EIC and overall head honcho, Grand High Pooba, uh, Liz Harper. Uh, I called you a Grand High Pooba. Wow, that's really weird. That's, I haven't used that one in years. That's, that's Hannah, a lot of titles you've just piled on. H- Hannah Barbera would like a word with you. Yeah, well, <laughs> they can they can speak to my lawyer, Birdman. Oh wait, no. Uh, anyway, also with us is Joe Perez, who is not a Grand High Pooba this this week. I I'm sorry, I gave it to somebody else. That's fine. I'm used to it. It's okay. But anyway, uh, I kind of recommend the pre-show. If you guys can somehow hear our pre-shows, I recommend it because this one was a really good one. We talked about something that Mitch originally came up with in an email. So, and if not, if you wanna if you wanna listen to our pre-shows, you can always uh, subscribe to our Patreon and get access to it. Eh? Eh? Yeah, <laughs> you can do that. We, we're not doing our pledge drive this week, uh, but you know, still, it, it's always a good time to to pledge because we kind of need help keeping the lights on. Help us, guys. Uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about top stories uh, stuff going on i think the first thing that i'm going to bring up because it is something that absolutely fascinates me is diablo 2's patch 2.4 is coming out fairly soon and by fairly soon we mean at some point in the new year there's going to have a ptr then it's coming out and they did a couple of things that surprised me the first was that they're finally introducing ladder play the uh diablo 2 ladder play they're introducing that we did know that ladder play was coming up. They were just going to release it sometime yeah. after the game launch. So we did know this was coming. But what I'm interested in is that they're making a change to it in that the uh, rune words that you get from ladder play will no longer be playable in Diablo 2. They won't come into Diablo 2 yeah. Resurrected's normal play, which no, they thought... did previously. Yep. They've, they've specifically changed it so that they won't anymore. When you get rune words in ladder play, they, they, they go away when the season ends. And that's interesting. That's a that's a pretty big change from ladder play. I mean, I, I thought it I is. heard Liz talking. If I actually had thought please. that was I thought that was the other way around. I thought they were adding new runes they that are. would eventually 
Um, they are yeah. adding new. They are adding new rune words that they've never had before. But those rune words will not come to the game. I was I read that like four times trying to parse it because it was not the 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 post talking about it did not do me any favors in terms of trying to make it <laughs> comprehensible. But yeah, they're not there. They specifically say these words will not be coming to to normal play when the season ends. Like when when ladder season ends, your character gets bumped down to a non ladder. Right. And but they used to bring all their stuff with them. So you could mm-hmm. get, it was a good way to farm up rune words that you would otherwise not have. You would go do ladder play and then you'd have those rune words. They're not doing that anymore. Like the, the, the ladder rune words, specifically the rune words are not coming to, to non ladder play, which is interesting because it means that essentially those rune words have become the season theme. They've, they've taken the, the Diablo three season theme idea and they've used rune words to do that in Diablo 2 resurrected and that's fascinating to me that's a that's an interesting departure they also don't know how long the seasons are going to be the the latter seasons which is uh, know, I think they said I think they said four months they were aiming yeah, for four months they absolutely did say they were aiming for four months but they said that they might change it based on the PTR based on other stuff yeah um, the other thing though is that they're making class balance changes and that's like I I I I admit this might have just been me being weird. I did not expect this game to have balance changes in it. Like Neither did the I. idea. Yeah. That's that's another thing they actually talked about before before release that they might consider adding things that were not in the original game. So I think yeah. this is very interesting. I don't yeah. know, did you watch the the developer stream that they yeah. did, Matt? I didn't watch it when it was live. I found a recording yeah. of it and watched the recording. Uh so yeah, I mean, they they were they were making some interesting points. Yeah, because they've clearly been kind of watching the game as it's developed, like they're watching the game now that it's out and seeing, okay, these builds aren't getting used as much, these skills aren't getting used as much. And they talked a lot about, you know, having, you know, not necessarily all specs and builds being equal, but having everything be viable. So for underutilized builds and talents, they want to make them something that you might want to pick. They don't want builds that are like, okay, these talents are totally useless. I'm never going to take them. They yeah, want to give players options. And I mm-hmm. think that's really cool. They talked about the uh, Amazon. Um, mm-hmm. I remember the Amazon and the assassin. They were talking about how for the Amazon, like late game to slash, like once you get to nightmare and above nightmare and hell, people are generally just ranged with their Amazons. And that the the martial like the hand to hand combat stuff kind of falls by the wayside because well, yeah, the just, game gets brutal to melee later on. Yeah, and they want to like, punch it up and make it viable for people who want to play melee Amazon to do it. And they the same thing with martial arts for assassins. They wanted to make it viable for people. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I like the idea not just that they want that they're not trying to make them all the same. They're not trying to make it so every single one performs exactly the same. But they want them to at least, if you're the if you're the kind of person who wants to play that way, yes, you'll you'll take a hit, but you will be able to, and the game will actually work. Because I think right now, some classes you straight up, if you don't play the exact prescribed way, you're basically dead. I think Necromancer is a really I'm, good example. I'm gonna uh, bring in something from the chat real quick because I think it's relevant on topic here, and this is from Grand Negus, which is not sure how the reaction of the community will be. It's a departure from the original game people love so much and have been playing for decades. Literally, it is, but it also isn't, and I think that's part of what Matt is talking about here. And and I think you know anybody who's played Diablo two for any length of time 
has specific ways they play and there are certain things that are viable and certain things that are not like instinctually when i went back to playing diablo 2 after it was resurrected when it was released like i knew what talents to take with my druid because the other ones were not useful and i knew like oh i have to put a point here because i need to get here to do this but i'm never going to use this so it's not going to get a hot key or a, a swift key or anything like that and that's the way that people have been playing it for literally decades. So all this is doing is taking the stuff that people don't use and trying to make it usable so that maybe somebody who I've never played a martial arts uh, assassin, I'll throw that right out there because it's weak and you just die a lot. And doing anything at higher levels, you die a lot. Same reason I've never done a melee Amazon late into the game because you die a lot. That's always been range. The only melee that I've had late game were paladins uh and uh bear druid because you could do a lot with them and take a lot of damage so like this is making those viable potentially where i would go back and if they say hey we we change this up so you could use it later on i'll go and try it because that play style is fun but i've it's not something that i traditionally play so i don't think people are going to have a visceral reaction to it like in a negative way i think if anything it'll be a positive it's like oh i can do this fun thing sure why not at least that's my two cents well, yeah, but it, oh yeah, go ahead, Liz. One thing I really noticed is they aren't nerfing things. Yeah. They're not saying, okay, these things aren't equal. I'm going to nerf this one. They're saying, okay, these things aren't equal. So I should bring this other one up a little to kind of be more, more level with the others to make it a viable choice. So mm-hmm. I think that helps. They're not ruining anything that was already there. They're giving you more options and giving you more diversity. And I think overall, that's going to be a really good thing for the longevity of the game because yeah. it can still grow and it can still feel like Diablo 2, but you have more choices. You have more options. Well, they're treating it like a living game, which yeah. is something between introducing the ladder and having these balance changes, it, it is an, it's a kind of a notice, if nothing else, that this game will be treated like a game that has come out and is being played by people. And what's really interesting is that's not necessarily new to Diablo 2, because Diablo 2's last significant update patch was patch 2 point something, I think 2.1 or what have you, but it came out in 2010. Diablo 2 came out in 2000. So mm-hmm. 10 years later, they patched it mm-hmm. to, to update it for like, you know, Battle.net and so forth. But also they straight up made changes to like, you know, how you could respec. They introduced a lot of respec stuff that wasn't there before. They introduced new stuff. So it's not unheard of to update Diablo 2. Um, keep in mind that Diablo 3 only came out in 2012. Yep. So that was two years before Diablo 2 came out. They gave Diablo, I mean, Diablo 3 came out. They gave Diablo 2 its last significant patch. And now it will, of course, be getting a new one. I just I do find this really interesting and fascinating, um, but that also leads to the discussion we're about to have about um, Diablo Four had its dev update this week, and I'll be upfront. Um, Liz gave me an assignment to to write a post about it, and I kind of dropped the ball on the assignment a bit because she had said explain it to me like I'm stupid, and I didn't because <laughs> I didn't understand it. Like straight up, I don't know how to explain this to people. It's the sphere grid like, from Final Fantasy X. But it isn't. It is, but it isn't. It is very... Paragon systems in and of themselves are hard to explain sometimes. It's like, you, you know, you get to max level and now you just level forever. It's kind of hard <laughs> to, to get across to people. Um, Odyssey has one. It doesn't... It isn't permanent. It isn't endless the way that the uh, Diablo 2 one is. Or Diablo 3 one is. I gotta keep messing up the numbers on these things. Diablo 4 <laughs> is not going to make this any easier for me. Um, 
but yeah, I, so I, I read the piece about it. I went and looked up like anything I could find on it, which is not a ton. The only place there's any, any real information about it is the, the quarterly dev update for Diablo four. Yeah. I mean, and, no one knows. Uh, yeah. Well, but it is like, it's no, there's some, there's a few like websites that have a few things. There's, there's a videos online. People are already talking about it, but the thing that really got me was it starts off fairly, like fairly simple in, in concept, like you get this board and the board has tiles and the tiles are basically like talents or ability points. As you, you use, you move your way through the board, you gain the access to these tiles and they give you the, the, the benefits therein. And then obviously that uses Diablo's constant, you know, common magic rare and legendary thing that they do for itemization. It uses that for the tiles as well. And it's got glyphs very much like Diablo two glyphs that you can like put into the board instead of into your helmet or what have you. And then it gets weird with the, with the, the, I want to call it, I can't remember what they're called. The game gate tile gate Gates. tiles. Yeah. Gate tile. And the gate tile comes up and there's four gate tiles on the board, one on each side. So there's one at the top, you know, left, right and bottom. And they, if you get to a gate tile, you then can add another board. Yep. And, and you when you going. add that board, you then go to the center of that board and you get a legendary perk. When you get there, you get the legendary tile. And then you could just keep going to the other side of the board and add another gate tile, or you could juke to the left and add another, you know, you could just keep doing this. And it's interesting and cool and weird, like hard. It's, it's hard to conceptualize at the same time. It's not, it's kind of like you're playing. Like I, I can almost imagine it's some kind of like, like a, like a tabletop board game. Yep. You know, that's, that's like literally does, what I was going to say. So I, 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 I am somewhat sorry that I didn't do the assignment the way that you'd asked because I, I had intended to, but I, I just, I guess I didn't grasp what I was trying to tell people. Like I, I understood what I think it's going to do, but I lost sight of the fact that it is a replacement for Diablo three's Paragon system. Like I straight up lost sight of it. Like I forgot that the Diablo three, I mentioned it in the opening and then I forgot it existed because this thing is so not that, but at the same time, that's what it's trying to do. It's trying to provide you the same kind of benefit just with like more choices. Like the Paragon system that Diablo three has, you just spend points until you can't spend points anymore. And then there's always one thing that you can spend points on forever. And that's all it is. It's just, it is very much like the artifact from World of Warcraft uh, Legion, where it just keeps going. And there's, there's like no choices. You just get everything. That's how the Paragon system works. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the difference here between this and the regular Paragon system, and I actually am looking forward to this. This is one of the things that I, I was most excited about uh, of recent Diablo 4 news because it's doing something that I think the Paragon system wanted to do, but didn't do so Diablo three inherently kind of kept things very tight, even though you were getting more powerful, you just kind of put everything into the same stats, right? The same uh, abilities. You just, it was always the same set. They just got buffer more or less. In uh, here. Yeah. Looks, like literally it's just, you get more gold yeah, find you or get you more, get more magic whatever. resist or more health yeah. or whatever. Or, but here they're looking like they're trying to actually give you, a, a path and and the reason I I, I, I liken it to the sphere not because it's exactly it it's not no um, but the concept is is not dissimilar but yeah I, 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 the the thing that reminded me of it or made me think of the two and kind of 
uh, connected it to is people were as bewildered with the sphere system for Final Fantasy X as they were with this because it's like, what am I looking at? And it was sort of that same thing where you just kind of picked a path and started moving around and gained, gained abilities. And I like the idea of the gate uh, the gate system here because it's like you start at the middle of the board, you build your way out, you get all these benefits, and then let's say there's nothing else you want to do on this board or, and I think this is where it's going to come in, there's tiles that are specifically to those glyphs, right? Like you pointed out, if you earn mm-hmm. a glyph and the board you're on doesn't have a tile to put that glyph in, you go to a gate to get another board to find a place to put the glyph in. So like yeah. it, it adds a layer of strategy and complexity to that. And depending on what the bonuses wind up being, it also lets you possibly customize your character in a way that the Paragon system never let you do. And I think yeah. that's really, really cool. And one of the things they mentioned uh, that I thought probably I should have talked about more was the concept of you you basically are going to be strategizing out how to place those glyphs mm-hmm. because the glyphs, there's like glyphs that the glyphs get stronger based on how many other tiles around them have been selected. Yeah. As a synergistic, a synergistic buffer. Whatever. Yeah. So there's a, there is a fair amount of strategy to this. Uh, Liz, you back? I am. Okay, cool. Did you have anything you wanted to say about it before we moved on? I actually think there was a one really good description you had in your post. I mean, not just one thing, but there you had a really good description in which you compared it to a board game. You know, like tiles on a board game, and you pick which way to go. You're just advancing through these squares. Yeah, it kind of feels um, a little Settlers of Catan or something. It is interesting. Yeah. Or, or, yeah, like almost like a Ticket to Ride, Settlers of Catan, something where you're like building yeah. a long chain of something out. Yeah. Yeah, because it, it, it definitely has that. It almost reminded me of Hearthstone in that you, you'll you make choices to move yourself up to this place where you get this one thing. Like, it'll probably be a glyph that you'll put down that will change everything around it. And then you'll get, like, you'll decide, oh, for that next board, it's got that really cool legendary that I want to have. So you're going to aim for it. There, There's interesting stuff like that. There's a board game that reminds yeah. me of where you, like, discover tiles and put it down. I think it's called uh, Betrayal of the House of the Hill. Um, yeah, or, yeah, kind of like, yeah, I, you, I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. You move to a room, here are these exits, and now it tells you what type of thing, and then you reveal a tile and you move forward. Like, I kind of like that, because I think I, th- I just think it adds playability to it. it. It adds something deeper to the end game because I think that's always been the problem that Diablo has all, like, had forever, is once you get to the end game, what do you do? And in Diablo yeah. 2, it was, well, I did bail runs. Okay, that's great. What did it get you? I got this fancy hat. Sweet. It was all about the loot, right? Then Diablo mm-hmm. 3 had the Paragon system in the seasons, and that was great. But where do you go from there? And this is sort of starting that idea fresh, and I think it's really cool. That's all I have. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, basically, I like it, and I want to hear more, and I'd like to play it. But, you know, Diablo 4 is still a ways out. So Yeah, and I don't think we we didn't get any update on when we're on any release dates or anything for it, because they're, nope. it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a while, folks. It's going to be a while. So um, another thing to talk about, uh, this is something that I didn't know and quite frankly, I've not really been focusing on because I have not been playing Hearthstone Brawls at all, uh, but there's a Winter Veil started up with a new quest chain and uh, Liz is the one who told us about this because of course she was. <laughs> so Liz is going to get to talk about it and I'm going to get to try and figure out why my computer is apparently trying to explode. So go for it, Liz. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's Hearthstone always has a winter event, and this year, you know, you'll have a quest chain that uh, lets you win six packs, six free packs, by just going through the quest chain. And there are going to be a couple of holiday-themed brawls, which are, it's maybe a little disappointing, because both of them are holiday brawls that we've seen before. And, uh, I mean, it's always fun to have something different, but it's like the same thing we've had in previous years. 
And that's kind of the same problem you get with Warcraft because we have Winter Vale, but we've had the same Winter Vale for like approximately a hundred years now. I don't know. Although surprisingly, I just realized that there's a snow globe in Orgrimmar because I've apparently been playing this game for almost 20 years and I never, never noticed. The snow globe is new in that it is, it was not there when the holiday was first added. There was a decorative gnome and a snowman that was looking and waving and it made me very uncomfortable. Anyway, please carry on. Um, okay. One thing that the Hearthstone, uh, Wintervale has that is new and different and fun, maybe depending on your definition of fun, is there is a new skin for Thrall, for the Shaman Hero, uh, which is Snowman Thrall. It's like (laughs) Thrall and a snowman, like he's making a snowman with like Frost Shock, I don't know, like so, and that's going to be completely free, so you just need to log on and claim it in the shop, which is, it's cool when they add little things like that. but yeah, that's really it. I mean, you're you got you got some quests to play through, and uh, if you play Hearthstone, it's worth logging on and going through that legendary quest chain because you get free stuff. And uh, Hearthstone free can be a really expensive good. game. <laughs> Hearthstone can be really expensive if you're buying packs. So I mean, I mean a game about packing pa- uh, cracking packs of cards is expensive. Never in a million mm. years, as I look at my collection of Magic the Gathering <laughs> sitting next to me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, it adds up. It adds up. Yeah, it does. Um, I'm going to actually use that as a segue to the other thing that we've, we're going to talk about that wasn't actually in my email because I didn't know about it. Um, the Blizzard Gear Store is closing down at the end of the year, and we don't know how long it's going to be down. They're going to make changes to call what was the, you see, you know, a whole new experience. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it'll be a whole new experience where I, I can easily get the things I'm trying to get and not have to try it three <laughs> times because the store keeps saying it doesn't have it. Um <laughs> We'll get a fanatic. Um, yeah, but any gift cards you have will also expire, apparently. Um, yeah. So yeah, at the end of the year. So you have a gift card. Use it. Yeah, Go out there. Send which, it. Which Buy makes something. me think maybe they're moving away from. Uh, yeah. From because that's fan cash is the the gift cards. The gift cards are all fan cash. If you didn't know, so it makes me wonder if they're moving away from that as a system, and that's why. That may make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do wonder if they're ditching Fanatics completely. Fanatics runs their store right now, and kind of makes like twenty eleven. Yeah, I don't know if it's been that long, but it has been a while. And I've always had kind of you know I think the store has gone downhill. I think the quality of products has gone downhill. So maybe this is an improvement. Maybe it's going to stay the same. We don't know. They haven't told us what it's going to be. I mean, I can tell you the story about the time that I got a uh, a, sh- a shaman shirt from a certain vendor that was uh, associated with Blizzard at the time that uh, came brand new in bag at the time that we were supposed to wear them for uh, uh, hosting a, a live podcast at a, at a, a, a PAX event. Uh, and the shirt that they gave me had uh, an entire seam missing from the left-hand side of it. So, you know, good stuff. Oh, yeah, bad. <laughs> Joe's Not talking good. a little sexy about the time he was partially naked in a shirt. Uh, <laughs> hey, you ever, yeah, wonder, the, you ever wondered how I got a, a TCG card made of me? That's how. I just showed up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the store is closing. So if you've got cards, you know, spend them. Is a very good chance that we're going to see a completely different kind of store run by somebody else. Um, 
Yeah, that's just that's it just messed up. I wouldn't. But I wouldn't be surprised is. if they like are picking up some of that the, their slack on their own too, because they've been doing a lot of stuff with the battle battle.net backend mm-hmm. with a lot of store integration stuff. So I'm wondering if they're just going to be going back to sourcing product and selling it through their own stuff with a distributor. Maybe. I mean, they certainly, as you just pointed out, they've got a ton of infrastructure for it, just straight up in game now. Uh, you can do a lot of in in game store stuff. So maybe they are going to do that. Sorry, this has been on my mind a lot recently. <laughs> yeah, for reasons. But uh, I'm going to talk now about something, a post that I wrote. Uh, this is one that was in the, it was in the queue and I saw it and thought, oh, that's interesting. We should talk about it. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about Frost Giant Games, but they were started by a whole bunch of X Starcraft and X, you know, Warcraft three developers um, who left Blizzard right around the time that Blizzard shut down development on Starcraft. Uh, for for pretty obvious reasons, for the most part, I hope. Mm-hmm. I hope to not find out that they left for a different reason, but we all know what reason that might have been. So let's just hope real hard that that's not involved here. Um, but they're, they they made an announcement that they're going to be making a big new RTS game, that they, they aim to you know bring the RTS game back and make the, great, the next great RTS. And Lizard found a post from Wired that was basically talking about this and talking about, you know, is this going to be the RTS Renaissance to which my response was when I was writing the post was like, why would it be the RTS Renaissance when they haven't gone anywhere? Total, total war would like a word with you. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of, of RTSs out right now. I mean, there's at least three to five big name RTSs coming out every year. There's a Starship Troopers one coming out next year. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> you mentioned total war, which has the Warhammer ones, but yeah, they also war- have, Total War Warhammer is coming out next year too. There's a third installment yeah. of that. Like there, there's tons of them. There was also ones that aren't even in the Total War series, like the Warhammer, Dawn of War, and Dawn of War Two. Uh, there's a there's a lot of RTSs. There's mm-hmm. there is a a boatload of them. There's an upcoming Dune there, game for it as well. There's the We Are Legion yep. game, which is just nuts. By the way, it's a strange game. Um, so I, I'm gonna like throw this out to you guys. Uh, probably Liz first. Uh, you know, do you think that they like people are just too quick to assume RTSs are dead? Is that what the problem is? What, what do you think is going on here? I mean, this is I I linked to this this Wired article talking about the RTS Renaissance, but I this was not the first time I've heard the term the RTS Renaissance. And when Frost Giant first uh, launched, it was you know that was kind of the thing they're going to make the next big RTS game, and I I think we really think of RTS or at least some people think of RTS as kind of a dead genre because the huge game studios no longer make like triple a RTS game. You know, we don't see new games like that anymore and we don't see them, you know, highly hyped, highly advertised. They don't. So, yeah, I think in general, the idea that the genre is dead is like, I think that Liz had good points about the, uh, bigger names like for instance the, the the really big rts names of the past the command and conquers the uh they starcrafts still, and warcrafts they're they're, still they're out there command and conquer hasn't had a real release that wasn't like a mobile port in years yeah, uh, yeah, or a you, remaster but you know what they, you can't you can't even you can't discount mobile games though for that because RTS not have been on that. I, I didn't say you are but i'm just saying like they, I think I think they thrived because of mobile for a while as well they kept them alive and i think that the problem is is that we still have that that conception yeah that mobile games don't count I, yeah. uh, and so people talking about there's no like I, like i'm saying there's no new command and conquer coming out for the pc there's just remasters sure so people don't 
don't think about the fact that people are playing RTSs on their phones and on their on their iPads and, and tablets. But they are. That's that's where RTSs are really big right now. Uh, they're as a genre, they're they're really really big on mobile, and that is something people kind of forget. And there's other things, but I think we can at this point we can move on. Yeah, I was gonna, the only thing the only thing I was going to add is that I think a lot of it has to do with marketing because games aren't being the RTSs aren't marketed as much. I think Liz yeah, is absolutely. spot on with that that people think RTSs don't exist anymore, despite the fact that they're going strong. And like I love the like I brought up Total War earlier because it's yeah. a game I love. Right, so yeah. marketing the Total marketing. War the Total War Three Kingdoms one. Um, I think it's called Three Kingdoms. The one that's set in China was yeah. really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, just straight up was amazing. But I think at this point we're going to move on to some emails. Yeah. Uh, um, since we're having a connectivity issues and, and Liz is unfortunately not here right now, we're going to just have to go without her. Uh, we're trying to get her back in. Absolutely. Uh, especially since this first email that I'm going to read is about Liz. Um, so a little yeah. ironic on the timing. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, if you've got an email for the show, uh, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line, uh, podcast of blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. Um, or you can hit us up on our Discord. Uh, we've got the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, where if you're a patron, you can ask and you get basically first served. Um, or you can go to our Q Questions channel, which is for non-patrons as well. Uh, we we like to give patrons first shot because that is one of the benefits of supporting the site. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Please become a patron. Um, but also, you can you know you could theoretically DM us on Twitter or even at us on Twitter, and we'll, we look at those things. Um, I actually so, have discord DMS open as well. Yeah, I do not because I, I am afraid of talking to people. I'm sorry, but yeah, so there's, there's various ways to reach us and we'd love to have questions and they don't have to be about blizzard games, but you know, absolutely they can be whatever you want to talk about. Um, but this first one is from, uh, Alana punch and she says, I just wanted to say, it's really nice to hear Liz on the podcast now. And more than that, the way people who could easily just speak over her voice instead make space for her to be heard. That's just a nice thing to notice. And it's nice to hear respect when a lot of the news lately is examples of disrespect. Rock on Blizzard Watchers, rock on. Now I put this here because I was really hoping Liz would be here <laughs> and get to see it and realize that she's made a, a positive impact on the show. Um, I really think that adding Liz to the, uh, podcast has helped bring back a little bit of the energy that the show had before when we had three hosts. Uh, the, not to say that Joe and I haven't done our best, um, but Joe, like- and I are very di- Joe and I are very different people, but at the same time, we, we do share a lot in common. Mm-hmm. So we can kind of get easily subtracted down to the cul- you know, culverts of, of weirdness. And it's nice to have a third voice to, to change it up. And Liz is both knowledgeable and has a very different perspective, which does help quite a bit. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely think that you're correct, Alana. It has definitely made the show better. Um, now, Joe, you get to talk about Liz for a while. <laughs> this is really strange <laughs> when she's not here. It, it is really strange, but it is also, uh, it's one of the reasons why we, we wanted Liz to sort of join the show is we think that this show in particular works better as a three chair and having those different perspectives, I think matters. Like, not saying that I don't love the sound of my own voice. Spoilers, I actually don't. Uh, but it, he doesn't love the sound of his own voice. He does <laughs> like his own thoughts, though. I do, um, and, and I'm the same way. I hate the sound of my <laughs> voice, man. It's a good thing that two guys who hate the sound of their own voices decided to be on a podcast. And one of the and one of them has to listen to the podcast afterwards and do all the editing. Uh, but no, all that aside, it's it's one of those things where having a third 
opinion, having a third view helps. It also helps because, and Matt and I have complained about this with, with other things like lore watch. We don't do live, which means, and you guys didn't hear this, but like, I'll just a little behind the curtain thing. Uh, last week, my throat was so raw because I had been sick the week prior that like at one point I had a massive coughing fit and I had to stop recording for a good 15, 20 minutes to get myself back under control. We can do that when we're not doing live, but with the Blizzard Watch, po- Blizzard Watch podcast, because it's live, we generally can't do that. So when Matt, you know, talks about, oh, I can take a uh, drink of water now. He's not joking because Matt, no. Matt and I can talk forever. And then, you know, having somebody who's one has great opinions two has a different opinion than ours and three has the ability to talk and, and, and sort of do that allows us to one have more diverse banter, but also I can take that five minute break and go get a cup of water if I need to same with Matt. And then the same with Liz. So having her on the show has been absolutely fantastic. God, I hope that means she's here now. Hi Liz. And it is. That's Hello? why I went that way. See? Okay. Ah! Liz, did you know, <laughs> did you read the emails? You know, the email we're currently talking about. No. Okay. Then we yeah. talked about we we talked about you. We we thought it was all the same yeah. and roses. Yeah. You know? as, as I said when we were doing it, it's like this is really awkward to be talking about this while we're not here. So Um Yeah, I mean, I think all of us, the three of us have known each other for a really long time. And uh one of the things about podcasts where we aren't all in the same room is I think it's really easy to talk over each other and you really have to like stop and think okay i need to shut up now or i heard someone's microphone go on and i need to back off so i think i do think that's kind of difficult in a podcast to not talk over each other like i certainly know that when i'm talking about something and i get really excited and i'm into it like if i'd started talking about like really talking about mass effect in the pre-show i would have talked for a half hour and not shut up yeah, um, and and we don't always do it right like last week we had a problem in the pre-show where i i did not hear Liz queuing in, and that does happen. But I think we all try to make room. You know what would happen, I mean, Liz, I, if I can get Liz to use her good microphone? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Just kidding, Liz. Uh, it's 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 <laughs> acting off on me. I think it's something with like I was trying to connect it through a USB hub. It's okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, in general, I do want to say this much so Liz knows that we were talking on this line. The podcast <laughs> is better for having her on it. Agreed. That's just straight up fact. So yep. I really think it's the whole thing is it's teamwork. We know each other. We're trying to work together and we all respect each other. And we all know that all of us have interesting things to say. And we don't want to talk over each other because we want to hear what the others have to say. And speaking of that, uh, I'm going to now have Liz read the next email. I was going to have her read the first email, but obviously things happened as they did. So go ahead, Liz. Well met, fellow watchers. We really need to get this greeting to trend. Regarding your discussion a couple weeks weeks past about a possible revamp of Azeroth, if all zones get upgrades, including those added in Cataclysm like Hyjal, what will leveling be like then? How many more levels will we get, if any? we need to clear all zones to reach level cap how long will it take many interesting choices uh blizzard faces with good tidings oh sorry about butchering your name eshanshi from alonsis eu um yeah i mean i don't even think blizzard has figured this out what the right leveling scheme is in do you need to go through every zone how long should it take how many zones should there be i don't we haven't had any real consistency on that throughout the expansion. So I, yeah, I, I think I, I'll be some- up front. 
Um, when mm-hmm. I suggested this, I was not even thinking about leveling through it. I thought it would be, <laughs> you're at max level, here's a different Azeroth. Uh, so now I'm having hives. Like This, this well, is they, actually a scary thought for me. They tried, right? Like That's one of the things I talked about with, with Shadowlands, and that's why there's a whole different leveling experience now, right? They're trying to figure out what that leveling experience should be. They're experimenting to find a sweet spot. And I think it's pretty okay right now. Like I I've actually leveled a whole bunch more alts this expansion than I have the last two. Uh, And I'm talking about like from one up, like getting up to max. So like, I think they're trying to find the right sweet spot for it where it's, you know, get the, all the zones and update and, and like you figure out what the leveling will be like if it's, because I think right now it's supposed to be you level through an entire expansion. That's your experience, right? Like that's the goal. I don't think it works out exactly. I think the math is a little off if I remember correctly, um, but it's close and it's definitely a, a good idea because it's like, hey, choose an expansion, have that entire story experience. Uh, but yeah, going the other way, which, you know, I, I think is more what I think we would talk about is if you're at max level, and you add another expansion in, even if it's taking you back through old zones, what do you guys think leveling should look like? Or should there even be level? Should there be levels or should there be power structure of a bowered nature? That's a really interesting question because lately Blizzard has, well, I say lately, but it's been a number of years. Blizzard has really taken power away from leveling. You don't get a lot of power by gaining levels. Mm-hmm. Maybe not any power because it's all in the expansion's current power system, which you usually unlock at max level. And um, leveling doesn't feel meaningful anymore, leveling through an expansion at least. When you're leveling an alt, you are collecting new skills and abilities and you unlock new talents as you level. But for max level characters, they haven't been adding new skills, they haven't added new talents. So yeah, I don't know if leveling matters anymore unless they change it to be something different where it actually feels like you're progressing instead of, oh, this number just went up for no particular reason and it means nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do think that I think that the, a lot of the talk we've been hearing lately about not having borrowed power systems is definitely a reaction to that. And it's weird because the Diablo 4 developer update, one of the things they were talking about was how people who have been playing the beta have said that itemization and gear feels like it's all powerful in Diablo. Like you can't get power any other way. And that's why they were making the changes they were making to the Paragon system to try and give players more customization and feel like there's stuff that you get from leveling up that you get from being more, you know, you get some power from, from going up in level from, from gaining experience that those things give you strength too. It's the opposite direction, but the same basic problem how do you make leveling feel meaningful? And, you know, how do you have it so that, like, you gain power as you level up instead of just gaining power once you get to the maximum level? Okay, now I've unlocked this new system of, like, blood from a planet. Now it's, it's how does that work? Well, you wear a special, like, hat, shoulders, and chest plate, and they have, like, you know, special, you know, slots for, it's like, this. my armor has a talent system now? Like, I'm sorry, I'm never getting over Azeroth. That Azeroth armor, <laughs> like, really traumatized me. And the worst part about it was that in the same expansion as Azeroth armor, they had the corrupted system. And the corruption system was actually pretty good in oh, terms of you were, power. you were a healer. Yeah. Mm. Not the D4 beta, my 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 apologies. That That's correct. It was just the uh, dev update. It's in, like, open alpha or the closed alpha or something. Uh, they are testing it. It's just mostly internal, internal stuff. Yeah. 
but yeah, it's the same basic ideas. Like, how do you make leveling rewarding? And I, I de- I've definitely, I think if I were going to be doing a revamp of classic, you know, if we're going to be doing a completely whole new Azeroth that you could level through from one to whatever the max level is going to be in the new expansion, then I would want to make it so that you could do it in a targeted way. Like, and maybe take, take cues from the fact that right now every expansion is something you can level through entirely. Like, if you want to, you can go to Northrend and you can just level in Northrend. You can get to, like, level 50 in Northrend. Um, or you can go and do that on Draenor. Or you can do that in Outland. Or you can do that in Pandaria. And maybe that's what you do for the, if you were doing an updated Azeroth. Actually have it be Azeroth. Like, have it be every place we've ever been on Azeroth right now, you can go to one of those continents and you could level from 1 to 50 or whatever max level will be in that area. Or you could do, like, mix and match and go to various places. That's probably what I would want to do, but I, it is daunting to think about. I honestly would love to see if they could figure out a way to just move away from leveling in general. I honestly think that leveling is an antiquated system that sort of hung out from D&D and just kind of stuck around in MMOs in general, like the whole RPG aspect sort of like dug that in, but maybe get rid of levels altogether and find a way to just have a player power increase a different way. Cause at, I keep thinking about this, especially with like shadowlands leveling didn't matter. It mattered getting through the, the covenant story It mattered getting through the, the, the quests. And then it mattered getting your item level and your, power power up and honestly i liked it like i i i prefer that type of system because i think i hate to say it like this but i think the time of carrying whether somebody's 55 or 60 it it, i think it's gone i don't think it matters anymore i think it matters in classic where leveling gives you power because it unlocks talent points and it unlocks uh you know different things for you to actually spend inside of talent trees but with everything they've done so far, like Liz pointed out, paring down the talent systems, uh, what do you actually get from leveling nowadays? You don't get new spells. You don't get uh, new abilities. You don't get new points to spend in, in talents. You just work yourself to maximum level, and then you get to the end game progression, which is all about that borrowed system, which is honestly the real leveling. It's where you get your power from. In this case, it's the the soulbind stuff, right? Like You unlock more of that as you go through your covenant, as you level up your covenant. That's the part that matters. So... I don't know. I think I think maybe if they're going to revamp it, you find a way that it doesn't matter the levels that a player is. You figure out how to figure, make them powerful without having like level 50 necessarily attached to it, like gaining XP. There's already enough that we... That's my two maybe. cents. No, it's, it's certainly something worth thinking about, but I'm going to move on to the next question. Uh, Joe, I guess you would be reading this one. Sure. Uh, hi. In the hypothetical situations where Blizzard decides to remove the faction barrier, would you prefer the implementation to the gameplay first, i.e. you can group up immediately, the story will catch up later, or lore first, a slow story buildup that sets the stage for the eventual unlocking of cross-faction grouping? Personally, as someone who does not do much group content, I prefer the latter. Although, to be clear, when I say unlocking, I mean globally, not on a per-account basis. I do not think that would go over well. Thanks. And that's from Gorquin. I... I think they could easily do a scenario that introduces you to the story of why you're doing it in the first place, have a really cool story experience, kind of like the broken shore opening. And then all of a sudden it's there and you can explore the story around it as you move through it, but have it be justified up front. So I, yeah, I think you could do it pretty easily that way. What do you guys think? 
I mean, it could be just a pre-expansion event. You know, you have some sort of, I mean, it could be a lot like the Broken Shore where we were both uniting to fight this specific threat, except on the Broken Shore, it kept both factions apart, like really specifically kept them apart. And, you know, you could have just shoved us together and said, hey, teamwork, we're going to fight the Burning Legion together and we're going to work together. Um, except, you know, they were building up for battle for to bat towards battle for Azeroth, which was going to be the big faction war. So we didn't do anything like that. But you could have a big pre-expansion event or a start of the expansion event that you just introduces this idea and you do it and you're done. I think that'd be really easy Actually, to, to do the narrative. Now that you've said that, I just thought of something that I would do if I were doing mm-hmm. it. I would do it like you just suggested as a pre-expansion event, but I wouldn't tell people that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I just straight up, you'd, you'd get like, let's say, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, after all the stuff with, uh, with smiley McDeath guy uh, is over and we're going into the next <laughs> you know, expansion. There's this big, you know, come together soldiers of the horde or, you know, warriors of the Alliance and, you know, join this group that will be going forward. And you, you get there and it's a beach party and the Alliance, <laughs> you know, you queue up and you just, you're signed into a group with a bunch of people from the other faction and it's a beach party and you're given like, you know, here's your warriors luau. You know, and you're like, what, what, we were having a luau. We have a very happen? important quest for you. Eat three hot dogs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. And, and you, you, you know, you'd be running around doing like, there'd be like three legged races with like, you know, people from the other faction and so forth. It's the goblin. Um, it's the goblin starter experience for heroes of Azeroth, but with less monetary capitalism. I love it. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and, you know, at the end of it, you know, there's no actual like maybe there'd be like at some point a boss shows up or something, a big monster spawns and they have to fight him together. But for most of it, it's just crab. has to be a giant crab at the yes, you know, for, <laughs> you, which you can you can hit for maximum damage. But uh, at the end of it, though, like there's actually like a montage of like, you know selfies like remember the selfie camera but there would actually be like a montage of selfies like there's a goblin with an 80s theme song playing in the background exactly and there's like you know there's like a goblin with like holding two fingers up behind a worgen who's looking all surly there's a there's a gnome getting thrown someplace by a torn and laughing hysterically you know yay this is fun uh there's all this various stuff and it's just nice and and we're like you know you know Grumash, I always thought you were a jerk, but now that I've spent several hours attempting to like race with my leg in, in a sack with yours, I still think you're a jerk, but you're <laughs> good at that race. Like, we, well, yes, yes, tiny human. When I picked you up and carried you across the finish line, I realized that I carried you across the finish line in my heart. Loctar, <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't know. Just, but just make, like, let's, let's, let's have... I don't know. I just, let's have a nice time. That would be what I would do. I, I don't think that that's what they're going to do. I don't, the people of Blizzard are not going to give us, you know, sack races and, and, you know, this potato salad has got way too much paprika in it. Who made this a goblin? <laughs> you know, so it's like that. I, I just, I don't expect it, but I would like it. Uh, failing that though, I do still think you could do straight up like where, you know, there's a new, like the elements are in unrest again. And now there's a new fire Lord coming through to Azeroth and we have to stop it. And then like, you just put people in a group with like people from the other faction. You don't explain it. You just, you're grouped up, go. And it's like, Oh, okay. Um, sure. That's a thing. And what's really interesting about that to think about, at least in my head is that if they'd done that all the way back in burning crusade, we would not have had to bring paladins to the horde and, and shaman to the Alliance. 
I mean, I'm glad they did. I liked playing my shaman, but it is interesting to think about the fact that they could have had faction specific classes if faction didn't matter anymore. Yeah. If you weren't restricted um, by faction, you could have kept faction specific classes. We could have gotten demon hunters just for the Alliance and something for the horde in Legion. If we'd had that, it is just something that I, that the faction thing has been a really big barrier. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Uh, do we think we have time for one more question? I think we do with all of our time stuff. I think we have time for one more, maybe two more, depending on how deep we go. All right. Uh, I think it's Liz's turn. Hey, Liz. Liz, it's your turn. You don't have to read the next one. You can pick any one of these to read if you want to. Uh, you know, I'm going to go on to the next one because actually I, I, have an, I have a thought about this. Uh, question from KTS Stories. Question for either podcast. I've had the sense that the last few WoW expansions have been examining how we cope with and resolve trauma. In Legion, we saw Illidan being his scars, Velen grieving for his son, World. Gin hunting revenge, and Archmon's anger over Velen's betrayal. In Battle for Azeroth, we experienced Jaina's parental remorse, Sarfang's guilt over the Horde's actions, Thrall's guilt over Garrosh, and Tyrande's uh, embrace of righteous anger. In Shadowlands, we're seeing the fallout of Sylvanas' trauma at the hands of Arthas, and to a yes- lesser degree, the trauma Yesra and the Night Elves went through, which could probably stand a little more attention. Is there any character whose trauma you would like to see addressed and resolved if this continues as a background theme for future expansions? And I I think this is a really good point that we have seen a lot of trauma lately and we're seeing uh, kind of some, I want to say resolutions, but resolution isn't quite the right word. We're seeing kind of story elements come home in terms of characterization but I'm going to completely not answer this question in that I don't want to do this anymore. Like on one hand, these are really relevant stories and they're relevant to life and they're relevant to personal experiences and they make you really feel empathic towards the characters and uh, connect with them in ways. And that is all fantastic. And also I'm totally tired of it. I'm tired of trauma. I'm tired of tragedy. And I completely want Matt's beach party. I want the beach party expansion. I want an expansion where we're happy and we have fun because I'm just, I'm worn out of trauma. What about y'all? Matt and I just recently talked about this on Sunday, actually. (laughs) Um, Same boat. Honestly, if you look at the history of WoW, everything has been dealing with somebody else's trauma. Like literally look at, look at wrath of the Lich King, Arthas, everything that happened with him as a Lich King that led him to become the Lich King. That was dealing with his trauma, the decisions he made and the choices he made. And we're still dealing with the fallout of it. Now, the whole Sylvanas arc, the Magni arc, the Jaina arc, the Deathwing arc, uh, need we go on? Like it's been this constant undercurrent thing for as long as I can remember in Warcraft, and it's been very central to almost every single character we've dealt with. Honestly, I'm fine with the fact that we're resolving some of it now because it feels like we're able to... And I mentioned this on on, on last week, Tuesday, and I mentioned this on Sunday. It feels like we're finally getting to a point where we can start to move past it, and that's what I want. I want, you know, Sylvanas to go away, not... I'm not saying that she's bad or or evil or, or good or anything like that. It's just her time has come. This needs to be the end of it. And I hope she moves away from it. 
and then she kind of goes away and and go sits in the background somewhere. Anduin is going to have a ton of baggage after this expansion is over with, but I also kind of don't want that to be front and center. The Night Elves have their own stuff to deal with, and yes, it could definitely use some more time, but these things don't need to be front and center. They can be undercurrents. They can be small things in the background that we deal with as as player characters and experience as the champions of our respective like peoples, but it doesn't have to be the meat of every story, and it just feels like it has been the meat of every story for so long. And we deal with enough of that stuff in real life, and I don't really always want to play a video game and be reminded of, oh, yeah, I had an experience similar to this. Okay, let me go ahead and walk away for about 20 minutes so I can process this. Like, I don't I don't want that anymore. And I understand that it's important. I understand that dealing with these topics is important, but there's a different way to do it than just have it be front and center all the time. Matt? I, I think, yeah, one of the things I wanted to say was that, first off, I think that... <laughs> When they were developing their plan for the next three expansions after Warlords of Draenor in 2014 or so, none of them saw the next six to eight years coming. And I remember saying at the time, because BlizzCon 2016 was directly before the 2016 elections, and I remember saying at the time that the, the, this there was going to be some heavy recontextualizing depending on what happened next. And it it went the way it went and we all lived through those, those years and are now living through the pandemic years. Um, there's definitely a sense that this story would have played better. Had we not literally just descended through Dante's Inferno. Um, and I, I do feel that way. Like a lot of this stuff just had the bad luck of being when everything was already horrible, um, which does happen, you know, life goes where it goes. Also though, I want to say, it's the addressed and resolved part of this question that I'm thinking about because mm-hmm. resolution isn't the same as constantly putting people through a meat grinder. Do you guys know who John Byrne is? I know mm. Joe knows who John Byrne is. That was stupid to ask. Um, <laughs> no. John Byrne is a, is a comic book artist who came up through to prominence from his work on X-Men. He was Chris Claremont's co you know, he was the artist for Chris Claremont near the middle part of Claremont's X-Men run. Uh, and he went on to, to be the artist and writer for Fantastic Four. He's the guy that did the uh, 80s reboot of Superman, changing mm-hmm. a lot of his his canon. There are good things and bad things about it. But one of the things Byrne does a lot in his stories is he fixates on a female character and decides this character needs to become strong and independent. And therefore, I will torture this character. Yeah. This character will be tortured and have everything stripped away from them and be destroyed. And it is Kitty Pryde. something. <coughs> Rachel it is something that, Yeah. Sue Sue Storm, Wonder Woman. When he got his hands on Wonder Woman, he did it to Wonder Woman. He he made it a point to break them because he he loved the trope that you had to be vexed. Yeah, and I've seen too much of this in World of Warcraft. Uh, I've seen it in, in, in other Blizzard games. I've seen it with Kerrigan. I've seen it with Sylvanas. I've seen it with Tyrande. I've seen it with Jaina. I am tired of seeing it. I am tired of this idea that the characters can only... The only good exploration of these characters is by brutalizing them. Um, I would like to see Taronda get to to like move past what happened and to to not just forget it happened, but work towards rebuilding her people in in a way that doesn't constantly do, dwell on how angry she is and how out of control she is. Because you know what, there's a thing as being righteously coldly angry that doesn't make you act like a lunatic. Mm-hmm. And and 
we got to stop portraying, you know, angry people as just being out of control and they need to be, you know, we have to like work together and just let the character be angry for a bit and then let them work through it. And then actually have that resolution. Don't just keep doing it over and over again. It took them how long to finally get Jaina to a place where she's not lashing out like three, like three expansions. I, I feel like it's time to just put those kind of tropes in a box and ship them off. Uh, they don't need to be around. And when you do have the backstory come in, have it be something that does get addressed and resolved. Like what is not just Tyrande's angry, but what is Tyrande going to do now? What, what is her? What are her people going to do? Are we going to like? Is, is Darnassus coming back? Are they going to rebuild Tildrassel? Are they going to go somewhere else? If they're if we if it's canon that they're in Hydril now, show me what they're doing in Hydril. How are they building there? How are they settling there? Move past it. Do do something new with the characters. What what is it I said on Sunday? It feels like we've been eternally like we've been eternally yeah. stuck for the last twenty years. Yeah, we've been re- we've been reliving um, the the Warcraft games because we can't move past Warcraft three. Yep. We keep forgetting that Warcraft three ended the faction conflict because because it it technically didn't because we've been stuck in the moments before. Yeah, but they yeah they keep not letting us get past it. Exactly, it's time to get past it. It's that's the reason we keep talking about the faction stuff. That's the reason we keep talking about this kind of stuff. I do think that that Liz is right. We don't need this anymore. It isn't. There's an idea that trauma is the only way to show depth in storytelling, and I feel like it's kind of gotten to out of hand with World of Warcraft. Um, there's a place for it, like Diablo games. I don't ever think Diablo games should turn into like happy sunshine fun times, but I think. Looking at Hearthstone, some of the most compelling WoW stuff out there, the most compelling Warcraft stuff is in Hearthstone, and it's fun. Like even when the villains show up, they have a ridiculous plan of the steel dart, you know, Dalaran, <laughs> and they do it. And then it's a whole expansion about these maniacs stealing Dalaran and using it like a weird ass Death Star, like you know, <laughs> floating around Azeroth doing stuff with it. I mean, and the it's, thing it's is, good. Matt's, Matt's not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's a. It's a weird expansion, but a lot of fun. Yeah, um, there's no reason we couldn't have more of that in Warcraft. And it doesn't mean you don't still have serious stories. It doesn't mean you don't still do big epic storylines, but it's okay. Like one of the best storylines from Cataclysm was the quest, you know, the day Deathwing died. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it's it's ridiculous, but it's fun, you know? And it's in the same zone as the really super serious Rathion's births quests. Where like you know this this dragon steals an egg and uses this like Titan stuff to purify it and there's you know anger and murder and you know all this stuff is going on. Then there's also the goofy Deathwing quest. You can have both, and I would like to see the game go that direction. More Where it embraces, head, please. Yeah, Warcraft has always been kind of goofy. Always go we, look at the original games, man. We talk about the cartoony art style. There was some goofiness. There was some silliness, like in it, uh, uh, like all the time ago. Yes. There's art out there of Deathwing smoking out of a hookah because they was going to be in the Thrall adventure game they were working on. They were going to have Alice in Wonderland references with Deathwing. <laughs> I, it's okay. We can. This stuff can. We don't have to take it seriously all the time. It can be fun. It should be fun. People should be having a good time. Let's have that beach party. Come on. Who's making the potato salad with too much paprika? I'm positive that's a goblin thing. Let's go. <laughs> Surprisingly, I'm going to bet it's a worgen thing. We have to suffer. All of you must suffer now, too. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs>
I think part of the problem here, part of the reason we keep revisiting trauma is that like so many stories, every chapter of Warcraft, every chapter of World of Warcraft has had to be bigger and badder than the last one. So it's yep. like, okay, this this expansion, we defeat Deathwing. This expansion, we're going to defeat the whole Burning Legion. And then the Burning Legion, then uh, Sargeras responds by stabbing a sword through Azeroth. And then we're going to fight an old god. And it's like everything has to be bigger and better and more traumatic than the last thing we did. And because we're in this constant cycle of really terrible things happening to us, there's going to be trauma placed on some of the characters in the game. And then we feel like we need to resolve that. Uh, I mean, could, sometimes sometimes could, the game goes to resolve it. And sometimes the, uh, it's like... Sorry, Padilla and chat brought up a good point. I just want to throw it in here real quick because I know we're coming up on mm -hmm. time. You can explore trauma while not subjugating vulnerable populations. It's yeah, true. that's good. Yeah. So and The weird thing is sometimes the game deals with trauma by like ignoring it. Like uh, Matt, you talked about Jaina, but a lot of the thing was, okay, we destroyed J Theramore and then Jaina was really mad. And then she was mostly not in the next two expansions, three expansions. Yeah, so like they, it's like they, they wrote her out of like Legion because she she took her ball and went home because they were going to invite the horde back in, and it's just was such a it was such an out of character like, thing for her that it, it remember striking it. I hope you guys can hear these sirens going on because apparently you know got her damn rings happening in my neighborhood. But yeah, that that whole thing with Jaina was just really irritating. And they're honestly kind of doing something like that with Taronda right now because. We got the, okay, we burned Teldrassil, Taronda's really angry, and now she's just not here, and we don't know what she's doing, except occasionally she's going to appear in a cinematic being murderous and angry, and that's it. We have no idea what's going on there. Not, it's not just true. That's not entirely true. It, it, you, I would say it, it, is, it is true, it's a true statement unless you play, um, our, uh, there's an Ardenwell Covenant. Unless you're nice. Uh, I'll be upfront with you, Joe. I, I disagree with you that the Ardenwell Covenant thing in any way, shape, or form portrays her as anything other than murderously angry. I didn't. I didn't say that. I didn't say that it, it does better at portraying her than but other murderously angry. But you get a point where you can see where she currently is. That's yeah, the she's only thing. Wandering I'm around like, Torghast. No, she's not. No, the Maw in general. She's not. We can talk about this. Okay. We can talk about this later. But like, we get to the end point. Like there's, that's the whole thing, and you get part of that as part of your Covenant campaign as well. There's a, oh, there's you're a, talking about the newer stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought you meant the storyline as it was progressing throughout the expansion, not the the end cap. But but it was the thing where unless you played a specific Covenant, you didn't get to experience any of her story. Except yeah, and for that's like a problem. And that's a that problem they've a had problem. for years. Yeah, that they've that they put like you know if you, if you're not in this faction or you're, like if you were playing a worgen, you didn't get to see the end of the worgen experience because it was given to to undead. Yeah. Like what? That's that's another problem. But yeah, I think at this point we kind of have to wrap it up. Yeah. I and know. I think we've kind of we yeah, kind of talked this one out. Yeah. If either of you have anything else you want to say though, now's the time go for, go for it. I was just going to ask Liz if she had anything else to add. No. No, I think that's it. All right. All right. Well then you, folks, Joe, yep. I know Joe's going to do his thing, so <laughs> go do it. Uh, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you, Joe. Um, also, thank you to Liz for being here and for the 
Patreon drive that you did over the past couple of weeks because that got us more people on our Patreon, and that's really great because it makes the site possible and helps us do all the stuff we try to do. Um, Blizzard Watch, you know, if you have a question for the show, you can send it to podcast at Blizzard Watch, uh, subject line podcast at Blizzard Watch, so we know it's for this show. Um, we haven't really mentioned this the past couple of weeks just because I think all three of us really kind of need a break from it, but at the same time, it does need to be said that uh, we here at Blizzard Watch stand with all the employees of Activision Blizzard and their their constant movement forward to try and make the uh, workplace and community a safer place for them. Uh, that's it's super important, and we definitely are we're encouraged, but also you know hoping that for more and better in the future. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.